Hello, hello, friends. This is Lindsay, and I want to welcome you to another fun-filled episode of learning about life living with an abusive person. Today, I'm going to talk to you about flying monkeys. What is a flying monkey? Where in the world does that term come from? What are some signs that someone might be a flying monkey and how to avoid them? Okay, before we begin, remember that I am not a therapist. I am someone who spent two and a half years desperately trying to make a relationship with an abusive person work out. And that is where I'm coming from with all of my information and experience. So what is a flying monkey? A flying monkey, according to Google, is someone who actively participates in a narcissist's smear campaign. They carry out the narcissist's dirty work, allowing them to keep their hands clean. Uh, The word, the term flying monkey, as far as I know, does indeed come from the Wizard of Oz. If you've seen the original Wizard of Oz, because I know a lot of people here are probably pretty young and might not have ever seen it, which you should watch it, by the way. Um, the flying monkeys do the, the wicked witch's dirty work. She sits up in her castle and she sends out hordes of flying monkeys to go capture Dorothy and Toto and bring them back and tear the, um, scarecrow to shreds and do all these things. And all of this time, like I said, she's just sitting there in her castle, not having to worry about anything, knowing that these people are going to take care of whatever she needs done. Kind of a creepy concept, but it is absolutely true if you have ever experienced this kind of abuse um, and having other people partake in an abusive person's games, um, it's it's pretty scary. It's, It's pretty creepy. So yeah, absolutely perfect. So what are some signs that someone might be a flying monkey? Uh, typically, at least in my experience, it could be someone who you don't talk to that much, um, kind of like, you know, after the breakup and and you're moving on, you're somewhere else. And these people kind of come out of the woodwork all of a sudden, and it might seem like they really care about you. They're asking you, you know, how you're doing. They're asking you kind of specific questions about like, where you're at, who you're staying with, what's going on, you know, or um, delivering information about your abuser to you. And, or it could be someone that you do talk to more often, but again, they're going to be asking you really specific questions about your relationship, about, you know, what you're doing in this current time, um, or again, giving you information. And you hopefully will start to get a feel for who is genuinely caring for you and not um, delivering information and who is literally just seeking information to hand back to your abuser. I very quickly figured it out because to me, it was so obvious what these people were doing when they were trying to get information. Um, And, you know, I got to the point where, you know, someone would pop up on my phone and I would just be like, you're getting blocked because it was just, again, so very obvious. Like one of them wouldn't even give like a spiel to lure me in like some of them will try to give you like a false sense of comfort like hey I'm really here for you I'm sorry you're going through this um 
let me know if you need anything. I'm so happy to help you. And then they'll drop some kind of bomb or, you know, ask you for information that, you know, once you're feeling comfortable that you might be more willing to give. Others are literally just going to be like, you know, like I had one just be like, hey, where's your dog? Because my abuser wanted to keep my dog. And of course, you know, I took the dog, which angered a lot of the flying monkeys. Um, But it was just, you know, straight up, no information, just, hey, where's your dog? (laughs) Like, you know, your abuser wants to know where the dog is and if they're going to be able to get the dog back. So can you tell me where the dog is so I can tell the abuser where the dog is so they can get the dog back? That kind of thing. All right, I'm going to talk a little bit about my experience with flying monkeys, you know, what it looked like, what it felt like, what they were saying and doing. Um, For me, it started off um, kind of subtle. So, for example, um, one person at a time, and at first it was people that I wouldn't have suspected that my abuser would reach out to, but um, someone would reach out to me and be like, hey going on here but the people who my abuser originally started reaching out to knew what was going on with me knew why I left um, knew I was being abused and were very protective of me which I mean I don't know if my abuser listens to my podcast or not or if they have someone listening and like reporting back but you know they're about to find out how many people were protecting me at that time but the first one was um, my landlord the landlord reached out to me and was like, hey, so this person is wanting to know when you're coming back. They're wanting to know, you know, X, Y, Z. I don't feel comfortable giving them, obviously, any information about you. What would you like me to say? How can I stay neutral? And I, of course, like, didn't want to tell them, like, what to do, but they would figure out ways to stay neutral because the whole plan was to get my ex out of the house we were living in well before I came back to um, get my stuff out of the house. So, you know, you could see that like, you know, that was a failed, that was a failed flying monkey campaign for my ex, because like I said, they were reaching out to people who already knew what was going on. The next person was my oldest sister. And so my sister was like, Hey, this person is asking me when you're going to be back. And, but like, you know, my sister showed me the message and was like, I don't know what to say. And like my sister honestly didn't know when I was coming back. I purposefully like didn't give anyone any information because I didn't want my ex to know where I was, what I was doing or whatever. And um, it was just so interesting to see how my abuser worded the message. It was like, hey, do you know when Lindsay's coming back? I reached out and I haven't heard anything. Kind of like she's being horrible. She's not responding to me. I don't know why. I'm not so bad. I wish she would respond to me so I knew what was going on. Poor me. And of course, my sister was like, you don't think that I know what's going on here? Like this weird, like, you know, framing themselves to be like this innocent person who's being ignored or stonewalled or whatever you want. So like, you know, of course, if my sister didn't know what was going on, she would have been like, why don't you just reach out and tell this person where you're at? When are you coming back? I'm just going to tell her, like, stop being a weirdo. The next person was someone who was was a quote-unquote mutual friend um, from the gym where we both work. And this was one where it's not someone who I had spoken to in a while, hadn't really given them any information. And he actually straight up said, again, hey, this person wants to know when you're coming back. Versus, you know, like trying to, 
you know, be like, hey, when are you coming back? Like, um, kind of making it seem like they're not running information back and forth between two parties. It was, you know, he straight up was like, they want to know when you're coming back. Like, again, this whole, like, Lindsay, stop being a weirdo. Just respond to this person kind of thing. And by now, I'm sick of people reaching out to me telling me that they're being asked for information. So I took a leap and I called this person and I was like, hey, dude, um, I'm being abused. So I don't feel comfortable having or sorry, I was being abused. I don't feel comfortable having people be these weird, you know, go-betweens, which I don't think at the time I knew the term flying monkey. And obviously I wouldn't have said stop being a flying monkey, but. He then said that he had found my TikTok. He knew there was more to the story. He even told me that he knew that my ex was abusive because someone had told him years ago some very specific things that he then, like, you know, checked with me. And I was like, yes, that you just described the last two and a half years of my life. How did you know this, first of all? And he didn't say who told him. And then how in the, in the world did you not check on me? How did you not check on my son? How did you not, you know... um, And he, of course, was like, well, I didn't believe the person because I didn't know them. But I'm like, well, now you can believe them because now you've seen my story and it matches perfectly with the other person who reached out to you. Anyway, so to the extent that this person was like, I knew that they were abusive. I believe you. I'm so angry they treated you this way. How can I help you? Blah, blah, blah. And um, he also told me that my ex had said they were going to take my old dog to the pound because, again, they wanted to keep my little puppy, um, Pip. And when I found that out, I, of course, freaked out. I was in Spain. I was like, you have to be kidding me. They're going to give this really old dog who's been through hell and back several times in her life to the pound. Um, And he was like, well, we'll take care of her. When are you going to be back? So, of course, since they were going to have my dog at their house, I gave him a rough date of when I would be back. Immediately, he went and told my ex. And I know this because someone else told me (laughs) that my ex told them where I was and when I was coming back. So, he took this flying monkey, said, you know, gave me this sense of security, said that they were angry for me, that they were, you know, they wanted to, like, support me when I got back. They wanted to take care of my dog, all of these things, and then went and gave, you know, all the information to me. Next, there was a little bit of a plot twist. The very next day, some, before that quote-unquote mutual friend got my dog, um, someone reached out to me on Instagram and was like, I'm really worried about your dogs. You've talked about how you know you thought you might lose the dogs. Is there anything I can do? Can I go get them for you? And the crazy thing is that, you know, I was in Spain. They were outside my house getting just the dog that my abuser did not want, the one they were going to send to the pound. And I called the police. I had to call the police, explain them the situation, and make absolutely certain that there was nothing my abuser could do to retaliate against me for taking my very own dog. And they, you know, I'm in Spain, like, again, like, pacing back and forth in the hallway, like, you know, like, is this person going to, are they going to retaliate? Are they going to do something to hurt me, to hurt, you know, are they going to throw all my stuff out? Which again, I didn't care about stuff at that point, because when you're ready to finally leave your abuser, you're most likely willing to sacrifice absolutely everything because it's stuff is not worth your mental health, your physical health, your safety, that of your child, etc. But anyway, it was a very scary moment. 
the person, um, I had never met this person, by the way, so I'm very, very thankful for the queer community, um, the Instagram community, um, you know, the communities that I've curated over the past couple of years, um, because I wouldn't have my dogs right now if it wasn't for them. But later that day when my abuser came home, um, you know, they immediately told those mutual friends that the both dogs were gone and both that person who I had been talking to, who was offering their support and their what and his wife reached out to me, threatening me. They called me names. They called me stupid. They called me a bad mom. They said that I was lying to get attention. Um, all kinds of really ugly things. They even, one of them said, I'll deal with you when you get back, all that stuff, which I came back and nothing really happened. In fact, I am a little nervous about this episode because I feel like if they hear it or it gets back to them, um, they could reach out and be like, we hate you. We're going to deal with you, whatever. Um, but this is the truth. This is what happens. These people, you know, I did not hear, like I said, one peep from my ex about the dog. However, two people verbally abused me for my abuser. My abuser did not have to reach out to me, did not have to ask me questions, did not have to call me names because two people were doing it for them. And that is what flying monkeys can look like. Okay, I was going about my day and I remembered some other ways in which the flying monkeys behaved um, during the first two months um, after I left my abuser. So I'm going to circle back and add a little bit more to this episode. Um, one thing that happened was one of the people who were actively like, you know, trying to gain information from me, etc., would say, you know, would ask me like out of the blue, does your son still ask for them? And, you know, of course I said no, because I knew that they were going to tell my abuser um, and then they would say things like, oh, you know, they feel so bad for what happened. They just don't know how to fix it. They wish they could, which is a form of like, you know, kind of like weakening the survivor, um, into thinking, you know what, I'm being extra harsh here. They really are sorry. I should just reach out to them, make sure they're okay. Um, but of course at this point I knew what was going on. I had much more information than I did before I left. And so I wasn't going to give into those kinds of comments. The same person also said that it was my fault that my ex was behaving in the way that they were. Um, and by that, they meant that my ex was pursuing yet another married woman because whenever they get bored in relationships, they start to look for someone else to, um, you know what, with. And what happens is that their partners always leave them because this same scenario um, happened with several of my ex's ex-partners. And this person knew that. So they were like, you know, every time that, you know, my abuser, every time they get bored in relationships or, you know, there's too much, there are too many issues and they don't know how to resolve them. They seek, you know, comfort with someone else and people always leave them. And I was like, do you hear what you're saying? You're blaming each and every one of us for how this one person acts and how they go after married people and they abuse people and all of these things. And you're saying that each and every one of us women should have stayed despite being cheated on, despite being physically abused, emotionally abused, all the things. So essentially this person was, you know, guilting, 
me blaming me using my son as a way to you know make me feel bad about the fact that he did have a relationship with this person before they of course you know started abusing him um which they like to leave out but yeah there's a lot of ways that a flying monkey can you know angle the conversation to try to get you to reach back out to them or reach back out to your abuser or you know to give them information to hand off like i said before but yeah definitely not a fun situation that same person would also say things like, you know, they feel really bad for what happened and they feel guilty and, you know, they're, they're definitely not in love with this new girl that they're just infatuated. They're just running from their problems and they wish that they could fix things with you and your son, but they don't know how to. So they probably won't reach out, which like, I'm like, why? What? Like, where is this coming from? And of course, like, you know, I would just say things like, I, you know, that's not relevant anymore. Or, you know, they would say, she would say things like, you have to remember who you fell in love with because you were happy in the beginning and you fell in love with them too. And you wanted this too, to again, confuse me you know, get me to think about the beginning when I felt really good. And I would respond with, you know, that person isn't real. (laughs) That person was someone that they made up to, to make me think that they were my soulmate, you know, things like this. And it did take me, um, because at that time I didn't realize what the, what they were doing. But, you know, after like a little bit in the conversation, I was like, this is wild. This isn't normal. This isn't healthy. This isn't good. And so I told them, you know, at the time, this was before they got, this was right before I ended up getting the dog, like maybe a day or two before the dog. And so I just said, Hey, look, I don't want to talk about them anymore. I don't want any information about them. I don't want to hear their name. Um, so if you want to keep in touch with me, that's fine, but I don't want to talk about it. And then as I said before, you know, when things escalated and, you know, they started calling me names and threatening me and things like that, that's when I went no contact with them. Like I said, um, think, well, things have definitely calmed down for me, um, since I came back, since I settled in where I'm at now. Um, I luckily haven't heard from my abuser since early January, um, when they had their one last little hoovering attempt. I haven't heard from any of those other people. I do have them blocked on basically everything you can be blocked on, but I have had the occasional, um, you know question um you know before I came back where are the dogs who's taking care of them things like that where are you staying how long are you staying around basically from people at the gym um and I just you know I don't block every single person that lives in this town where I live but I just keep in mind um that they could be a flying monkey and that if they're asking questions it's probably not for their own information and so my advice to you is if you have someone like this who's reaching out, especially soon after you've left your abuser, don't answer any questions. Be vague or don't say anything at all. Um, if it's dangerous not to respond, then definitely just be really vague and just say, you know, I don't know what I'm doing right now. I don't know where, you know, when I'll be back. I haven't decided yet. Just keep it super vague and super neutral. Block people if you can. Um, I say this a lot in my lives. My no contact policy includes contact with anybody who knows my abuser. Anyone who could 
accidentally or on purpose give me information because like I said earlier in this episode they told someone who someone told me who told me told me told me whatever um it's just this vicious circle and you don't want or need information about that person even if you think you do each time someone gives you information it's feeling your trauma bond and that's exactly what we're trying to break when we leave those people so again block you know, go no contact with those people, don't respond, give absolutely zero information because odds are they are going to deliver it to your abuser. And, um, you know, don't ask for information either. Don't ask anyone (laughs) where your ex is living or where, you know, when they saw them, what did they say or anything like that? Because again, it's just not necessary. And, those people who are now the go-betweens um, between you and your abuser, you know, they're getting, they're getting, I don't know what they get. They're getting their kicks from being between these two people who were in a relationship, from going back and forth, from being involved in the drama. And that's just not okay. Um, so we definitely don't want to, to, to let that even be a thing. So just be aware who's reaching out to you. Do you feel like they're actually trustworthy people? Have you heard them talking about other people behind them, their, behind their backs, which means, you know, they're probably talking about you as well. Um, and I know it's really hard to lose people who you thought were friends on top of losing this person that you've been with for however long, but it's definitely worth it. I promise it will help you in your healing journey. It will help you move forward and leave that abuser behind. Okay, so I always listen to my episodes after I or after I record them and before I publish them to make sure that I don't like misspeak or kind of leave room for any misinterpretations or anything like that. And I just wanted to clarify that my sister's response to my abuser was not like in her mind. It was like, hey, you don't think I know what's going on here. But she actually just said, you know, I have no idea what her plan is. And um my abuser just didn't respond. And it's just kind of funny because I told my sister, you know, they're just trying to get information from you. They don't actually care to talk to you or anything. And watch, once you give them no information, they're going to dip right back out and probably never talk to you again. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Uh, But I just want to clarify that because my sister did not indeed say, you don't think I know what's going on here? So, okay, that's clarification number one. I also wanted to explain that the flying monkeys usually, and I don't know, I mean, every abuser, every narcissistic person is different, but what happened was that my ex would reach out to me via email, um, you know, try to contact me um, directly, and when I didn't respond for several weeks to their emails, that's when they call in the flying monkeys. So a lot of times, if the person is still contacting you directly, and if you are responding, which I definitely don't recommend, they're not going to need to use a flying monkey to have access to you or to glean information from you. So again, you know, the the troops of monkeys may not, may or may not be used um, because again, it's just a tool for them if their tactics aren't working, they're going to call in the troops. So I just wanted to clarify that again, in my situation, the flying monkeys did not appear until I had been, um, no contact for about two months. 
Um, and at that point, my abuser must have given up on trying to get through to me via email and started sending in the troops. Okay, one last thing. Quick apology for this episode being a little bit all over the place and for having some background noise in some of the recordings. You could probably tell that I was in the car for some of them. Don't worry, I was not driving. Um, but I appreciate you hanging in there with me. I hope you found this episode helpful. Okay, that about does it for this episode. I want to thank you so much for being here, for listening. Um, I hope that it brought you some validation, some education, um, you know, something to look out for for yourself or a loved one. If you like this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe. I want to make sure that these things, these topics are getting into the ears of the people who need it the most. Um, also, if you like this and you want more from me, you can find me on TikTok and Instagram at the Lindsay Goodman, or you can go to my new and improved beautiful website, thelindsaygoodman.com. Um, I definitely appreciate all your support and every single one of you who um, has been a part of this healing journey for me. Take care, everyone, and I will be back next week with more.